You are listening to Primary Care Perspectives, a podcast where pediatric experts from Children's Hospital of Philadelphia and other guests discuss primary care issues that are on their minds and the hot topics that all pediatricians see affecting their daily practice. This podcast is for general informational and educational purposes only and is not to be considered as medical advice for any particular patient. Clinicians must rely on their own informed clinical judgment in making recommendations to their patients. Hi, I'm Dr. Katie Lockwood, a primary care pediatrician at Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, and today I'm talking about Picture This. We'll get into more about what that is in a minute, but I'm joined by three CHOP experts, Dr. Danielle Urkaboni, a primary care pediatrician in the CHOP Primary Care Network, Melanie Hoynoski, a child life clinical expert in the ambulatory network, and Steve Wilmot, the associate vice president of primary care, also at CHOP. Thank you all so much for joining me today. Thank you, Katie. Absolutely. It's a pleasure to be here. So today we're talking about a CHOP program called Picture This, which uses colorful and interactive murals to inspire creative and educational moments in primary care exam rooms. These murals encourage parent-child conversations, build imagination, serve as an assessment tool for pediatricians, and elevate the overall patient-family experience. While we know most practices don't have Picture This murals currently, we will talk about what we have learned from this program and how to apply it in our own offices with our patients. So let's start off with what is Picture This and what inspired it? Picture This is an innovative and engaging tool for parents and children to have something to do while they're waiting to see a provider in their exam room. And it's also a tool that providers can use for a developmental assessment of the patient. What Picture This is, is a large, colorful mural that's hung on the wall in our exam rooms. Families can use a QR code to put their child's name into their phone, and they can be connected to questions and activities that they can use to interact with their child in the exam room. This idea started when a foundation approached us about three years ago to talk about what they were describing as opportunities for learning that are being missed when people are waiting. So they gave examples of like sitting in a laundromat or waiting for a bus or waiting in a doctor's office. And they wanted to talk about how they might get parents and children to engage with each other during those moments. I observed what happens in our waiting rooms. and I found that parents were mostly on their cell phone as were the children either on their parents' cell phone or on their own phone. Now, while we would like to try to discourage some of that, it is where we are now in the world today. So instead of trying to fight back, we sort of joined that party and we used the phone as a way for families to connect with this really bright, colorful image and engage with their child during those moments. That's great. And as you mentioned, these murals help inspire conversations between caregivers and children, which is something that we also encourage through our Reach Out and Read program in reading books together. And as pediatricians, we often counsel families to avoid too much screen time, and reading and art are great alternatives to this. Dr. Urkaboni, can you review some of the evidence behind the importance of play and visual art? Absolutely. And thank you, Katie. You know, what we know is that play is a powerful tool. I think for decades, play was thought as a pastime of children. And while it was recognized that there was value in maintaining that playful nature into adulthood, it really, the light on play really wasn't shined 
you know, down on until the last two decades or so, we looked at the power of play, of impacting early learning. We know that play is not frivolous. It enhances the structure of the brain and promotes executive function, that process of learning, as opposed to that content of learning. What we know is that by infusing the built environment with opportunities for playful learning, we can enhance the way that those things happen downstream. Let me give an example. There is a big push for bringing opportunities to learn through play to many different environments across the city. And the Playful Learning Initiative have really spearheaded that, especially here in Philadelphia. When we think about those opportunities, we know that those environments where the environment is specifically tailored to encourage kids to walk through things that make their brain churn and their mind think are shown to promote that creativity, promote that opportunity for the brain to think above and beyond the task itself. What we did was begin to think about how that can happen in environments like a medical waiting space. And when we did that, my mind naturally went to thoughts that we think about with visual art. And when I was approached by the team that was forming around this project, I said, this sounds like a big storybook page to me. We know that visual art, like storybook pages, can be used as a tool to create conversations. And the evidence has proven true in the shared reading space for many, many decades at this point. We know that shared reading is very powerful. But even very more recently, looking at the powerful effect of images, even wordless picture books to even have stronger conversation than those with just a word on a page. So we thought, wouldn't it be very cool if we made huge storybook pages and put them on the walls, very much to akin to the conversations that have been promoted through organizations like Reach Out and Read for the past 30 years or so. And we know that those conversations have been so powerful. What if we infused our waiting rooms with them? We know that those storybook pages can be not just visually appealing, but tools to create conversations. And so that is what we're really looking, looking forward to kind of bringing into the waiting spaces and the exam rooms. It is very cool. And as you mentioned, pediatrician office decor is usually pretty child-friendly, but the artwork usually includes things like animals, nature photography, or cartoon characters with bright colors. And in fact, the cheerfulness of our work environment has always been one of my favorite pediatrician job perks. But the picture this murals are more than just child-friendly images. Now, I know on a podcast, we can't see your beautiful murals. So can you tell us what they involve and what makes them so engaging? Thanks, Katie. I can speak to that. You know, as a child life specialist, I often use the environment around me to engage and distract children throughout their healthcare encounters. Throughout my career, I've noticed what keeps a child's attention and what does not. Picture this murals are more than just a picture of a tree or a cartoon character. Instead, each mural is very carefully created using a child development framework with intent to prompt verbal or nonverbal interaction between children, their caregivers, and staff. So, as mentioned, we're using very vibrant colors, culturally diverse characters, and scenes that feel familiar to many of our families. We have built in opportunities to create conversation around staying physically and emotionally healthy, around decision-making and doing the right thing. We've also 
added in just plain old fun and silliness that we know kids connect with so deeply. So the murals are designed for children ages 2 to 12, and they have multiple layers of stories within them. For example, one of our murals is meant to replicate a South Philadelphia neighborhood block party. So the scene is surrounded with some Philly famous food trucks, building murals, and hidden characters like Ben Franklin, Rocky Balboa, and Betsy Ross. The mural really provides opportunities to discuss things like food choices, the cost of certain foods, waiting in line, and then not to mention the mice who stole the cheese. I love that. That's a great description that helps us visualize what these look like. I know that the murals may take a little bit of explanation, but as much as we try to avoid it, families often spend time waiting in the exam rooms for us. So how can they engage with the artwork before they even see us? Absolutely. So the pictures themselves are designed to spark conversation without any need for explanation. When you think of some of those features that Mel described, the mouse that stole the cheese um, <laughs> is a favorite and <laughs> definitely an example. And so there's these funny characteristics that we know that families are drawn to. And so looking just for different things that are happening in the murals is one way to engage. Also kind of taking a step and looking at trying to use it as a seek and find. I found this. Can you find this? Can you find something red? Can you find something green? Let's look for the letter A. Let's look for the letter B. We know that families are so good at that conversation. And we know that pediatricians across the country have been working to instill the power of those conversations with families for a very long time. You know, when we first started this project, the murals were designed to be in waiting rooms. We designed them as about, you know, eight foot by 10 foot large projections or printed images that would go onto a big wall. And as families waited in the waiting room, they would be drawn to this colorful image as something to do with their kids. When we began to launch that at CHOP, what we found is that got families out of their seat. It got them talking more than if those murals weren't there or if other things were there. However, as with anything, and especially as with anything in a medical space, the pandemic caused us to pivot. And that pivot that made us to think really critically, not just about the content of the murals, but about the location of the murals as well. During the last year or so, we've designed a set of murals that intentionally sparks conversation without need for instruction. And we've designed murals that are able to take up a little less space, perhaps the space available above an exam table in an exam room perchance. And so they take up about three by four foot of space at this point. They're designed to have a level and density of images that reflect that. And so those things that Mel were describing, for example, in that South Philadelphia Black Party, kind of all taking place in a space that fits into that size. And then, you know, putting in that content and being really intentional with a multidisciplinary team across CHOP, team of pediatricians, child life specialists, administrators, hospital staff and parents providing feedback that led us to have the murals have the content that we have now. And so they're built in a way that it can be used in multiple ways and not necessarily rely on any one thing. For example, 
being instructed on how to use it or rely on the parents on having a cell phone or rely on the provider being or the, um, I know another clinical staff being present in the room, even though they can be used in all of those ways. The QR code can be used to scan and to bring up questions on your phone that help to guide you through. The provider can use it in a developmentally friendly way. And so each of those things are a possibility, but we've been very intentional as to design them in a way that just promotes fun just at the peak of an eye. So you mentioned that providers can use the mural in their developmental assessments. Can you give us an example of how this could be done? Absolutely. You know, so when we're thinking about the provider going in and doing developmental surveillance, Mel mentioned that the murals are really targeted to uh, be for that ages 2 to 12 so, for example, for, you know, my clinical staff listening to this, you know, think about the questions that you're wanting to ask around, say, age four. Can the child begin to count things in the image? And so we very intentionally have chosen, you know, I'm thinking about the number of watermelons in one of the scenes. And so that number was chosen very intentionally because we're looking for that child to be able to count up to a certain number. For example, the letters and numbers, you know, that same mural has people wearing jerseys and those jerseys have numbers on them. And so identifying letters and numbers are in there. We've chosen colors very specifically that aren't so ambiguous. And so is that pink or is that red? No, the colors that our murals are tend to be pretty well reflected and identified by children. So can use for color recognition, counting, letter recognition, spatial awareness is another one that providers have, you know, said that they've used. Is this in front of or behind this? Did you go over this or under this? And so it really serves as a tool to show what the child can do and for the child to show off a little bit. We know as providers that it can be really challenging sometimes to get those things out of kids. And sometimes, although parents do their best to represent what their child's doing, we know by you know data across the years that perhaps it isn't the best way to reflect the developmental milestones that a child's achieving. So we see this as a great tool to begin that assessment right alongside the book in the exam room to have another tool in your arsenal to begin to do developmental surveillance as well. These murals really are beautiful. And one of the things that I first noticed about the murals was the diversity and the realism. And you've all talked a little bit about this already with having local icons and landmarks like Ben Franklin or City Hall. But the diverse group of people who live in Philadelphia are also represented. How was it decided what would be included in these murals? Thanks, Dr. Lockwood. It was very intentional what was going to be included in the murals. And we started with the types of patients and families that we see in our city locations. We wanted kids and parents to come in and see themselves in those murals. So what you see in the murals is very reflective of the patients that we're taking care of in our city locations. We were very intentional to try to include all groups, all types of people in the murals. It, it was something that we felt really very strongly about. So for practices that don't have these murals, Melanie, I'm wondering if you can tell us how they can use some of the same strategies that we've all been talking about with the art that they already have. Absolutely. So I'm sure many of you listening are already using art and just the general environment around you to engage your patients in conversation. But I can surely speak to a few ways that we're using art here at CHOP. For example, Visual art can be used to prompt conversation around colors, like Dr. Urkaboni mentioned. 
together you can find all of one color in a picture. Or ask the child what his or her favorite color is. If the child's a bit older, I like to ask how certain colors make them feel. Or I can even ask what colors they would use for happy, sadness. You know, what color would they use to label anger or feeling scared? And that can definitely lead to more deeper conversations around coping with the current situation and when they're feeling stress, not only in the healthcare environment, but at home or at school as well. There are many other ways to use visual art in the healthcare setting. It can be used to replicate a certain movement found in a picture or to move based on how the artwork makes them feel. You can ask the child to count how many circles or other shapes they see. You can talk about how a person might be feeling based on the expression of their, on their face. It can also be used to build quite a rapport with a child. For example, if there is a picture of an ocean, you can ask the child if they've ever been to the ocean, and if so, what's their favorite part or least favorite part? For an older child, it can even lead to deeper discussions around the sights, smells, sounds, and feel of maybe the sand or water on their toes, which is promoting imagination and healthy distraction as well. I love all of those suggestions, and I like how you're teaching us about how we can use the art around us to help ease anxiety and stress in the clinical environment and the way that you're using the built environment to support patient satisfaction with the encounter and also easing them through this sometimes scary process of being at the pediatrician's office. So now that we've talked a lot about picture this, I'm wondering if you can tell us how you've studied the impact of this program so far and what we've learned from it. Thanks for that question, Katie, because you know that that's one of my favorite things to talk about is not just where the work has landed, but how we've used the science of learning to really fuel it and provide evidence for why it's valuable. So we had the good fortune to be able to look at this in a deep dive. And we spent some time while it was in the waiting rooms watching families as they interacted, watching as they waited, watching as they either sat in their chairs or got up to look at the mural itself. And we looked at families across multiple medical waiting spaces. We watched in a waiting space that had a large picture of this mural in it. We watched in a waiting space that had just standard chairs and tables, but without any intentionally infused opportunities for play. And we watched in another waiting space that had lots of opportunity for physical play, colorful tiles on the floor and things you can jump on that changed the colors and projected screens on the walls that you could kind of move along with your hands. And we watched what the difference between families was in each of those spaces. And what we found was very clear. Families got up out of their chairs more in waiting rooms that had picture this in it. And above and beyond that, and I think even more valuable, of families kind of being up and out. And I say families intentionally because it wasn't just the kids up and playing. It was the parents as well. They put down their phones more, and they also engaged more in the types of conversation that we know are critical to early brain development. That's spatial, color, letter, number language, those conversational turns back and forth that really promote early learning for kids. And so we saw 
more conversational turns, back and forth conversations between parents and kids when Picture This was installed in a waiting room. We saw more language rich, rich in those aspects of early learning. And we saw, again, more families engaged together. Even though the waiting spaces that had play opportunities did get kids out of their chair, what we found is while they were being supervised by parents, it often didn't get parents up their, off their chair and off their digital device. And so this was a powerful difference to that. And we hope that by modeling that those types of interactions in a medical waiting space, we can begin to help to model that and help to encourage those types of interactions happening in the built environment all around us. That's great. So many wonderful findings already. And I've seen you share these murals with groups of pediatricians, and I'll say it engaged us pretty well too. So it's good for all ages. So while this project is relatively simple in its concept, I can imagine that it was a huge effort to make it happen. So who can we thank for sponsoring this work so far? And if others want to contribute, how can they get involved? Thanks, Dr. Lockwood. And you're right, it has been a pretty huge lift. And two of the people that are really responsible for the success of Picture This are on the phone with me right now. I can't acknowledge Dr. Urkaboni and Melanie enough for the work that they've done to really take this concept and make it happen. Certainly, the William Penn Foundation deserves acknowledgement as well as they funded the initial work around working on these murals. We have to give a shout out to our graphic art team from Bad Rabbit, a company that we work with that helps us design the murals and make sure that they include the things that we want to have in them for learning opportunities for our children. The team at the Carabot Center, where the murals live now, certainly the providers and staff, as well as a special shout out to Rob and Maurice, who took time to hang all of these murals in 50-some exam rooms for us and ensure that they're hung safely for our patients and families. Our Reach Out and Read colleagues have been an incredible advisory group throughout this journey, as well as our own advisory committee, which consisted of multidisciplinary professionals from throughout the organization. Our parents that gave us feedback were also really important to developing this work and the support of primary care leadership who really, really like this project has been also invaluable. Dr. Urkabani also has some other members that she would like to acknowledge as well. I want to echo Steve's sentiments. We could not have moved this project forward without each of the parties that he listed. And I, as the lead on the evaluation component, I especially want to give a shout out to the families that participated in giving us feedback on the murals, both knowingly and unknowingly, as we observed what happens naturalistically across those exam rooms. That was invaluable. It's steering this in a direction that is really community-driven and parent-driven because it took the project in a direction that is above and beyond, I think, what any of us on the core team could have imagined. Now, you mentioned if clinics are interested or if there is interest in support of the project, and I, I am happy to field any and all folks who are interested in, in furthering the conversation on playful learning and playful learning in medical waiting spaces, picture this and how that can translate to other spaces and how we're doing the work here. And so I can offer up my email address, which is very simply my last name. It's E-R-K-O-B-O-N-I-D at chop.edu. And I'd love to further the conversation. 
Thank you. Such a great team effort. And I've learned so much about Picture This from you all. I hope to see it in my exam room soon. But in the meantime, you've also given me so many strategies to use in incorporating the built environment into my clinical encounters. So thank you so much for sharing that with us. Thank you very much, Dr. Lockwood, for taking some time to talk with us today. Thank you so much, Katie. It was so great to chat. Thank you so much for having us today, Katie. Thank you for listening to this episode of Primary Care Perspectives. You can download and subscribe to future episodes on iTunes or visit chop.edu slash PCP podcast for a listing of all episodes. I look forward to our next chat.